to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Again, welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church. It's so good to be in worship with you this morning. I want to let you know that on May 21st and May 28th, we're going to have one combined service here at the church at 10 a.m. It'll be in the sanctuary. May 21st is our elder installation, so we pray for and install, ordain, elect these new elders who are going to serve us in leadership over the next three years. And usually in the past, we've just done it one service, but we, we, these elders don't represent just one service. They represent all of us. And so we thought it important for the entire church family to come together to pray for them and ordain them on May 21st. And then on May 28th is Memorial Day weekend, and we recognize the folks are traveling a lot. So rather than have like two or three in a service. We're all going to come together at 10 a.m. in the sanctuary. And we chose 10 a.m. because none of our services meet usually at 10 a.m., which means everyone's unhappy. It's great. Okay. (laughs) It's actually really true. But um, And then if I seem a little nervous next week, I want you to know, um, uh, so I've I've told you before that I was a Manny during grad school and seminary for a family in New Jersey. And this, the mother informed me that she's coming to worship at RPC to see what's become of me. And so I'm very nervous about next week, but I, I, I've come a long way, so it's, it's, it's gonna be good. But today we're gonna continue our sermon series looking at the hidden God. We've been looking at passages in the Old Testament where God is not explicitly mentioned. The God remains in the background of the details of the action of the story. We began the sermon series by looking at Jacob when he, after he deceives his father and his brother, he goes on the run. He goes to this place called Bethel, and he sleeps there, and he has a dream. And he wakes up from the dream after experiencing God, and he says, surely the Lord was in this place, and I did not know it. And then Carrie did such a fantastic job talking about the life of Joseph, gets to the end of his life with his brothers, and he looks back. And the roller coaster of his life, the ups and the downs, and he sees that even when God was not seen, even when God remained hidden, God was still there. And then we looked last week at God working behind the scenes, working through a mother and a sister, saving the baby Moses' life. And today we're going to jump ahead in the book of Exodus to Exodus 3. And we're going to see Moses as a young man. Moses has had to flee Egypt, and he ends up meeting a woman, they get married, they have a, a baby. And our passage today shows him tending the flocks of his father-in-law named Jethro. So let us open our hearts, our minds, and our ears for the word of the Lord. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked And the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. 
Then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppress them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to my Pharaoh, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this great passage from Holy Scripture. And I pray in the next few moments you might be our teacher, that you might speak a word to our hearts that only you can speak, that it might wake us up, that you might open our eyes to your presence all around us. Now may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever had a take-your-shoes-off kind of moment? The kind of moment that you get stopped in your tracks. A moment that makes you feel something that you've never felt before. It's a spiritual or sacred moment. A moment that is almost ineffable, beyond description. It's a moment where something goes from being mundane to momentous. It's like you're walking along, minding your own business, And God intervenes. God shows up. But you're only going to have this experience if you're paying attention. Many of us miss out on these moments in our lives because we fail to pay attention. It's amazing what can happen when you fail to pay attention. Like you can almost kill your future in-law's dog. Courtney and I just started dating. I was really trying to make a good impression. Her parents were going out of town for the weekend, so they asked me, Jeff Myers, trusted caretaker of family dogs, to come walk Brady. Brady was a golden retriever. He was built like a fullback. Huge haunches, powerful legs. The appointed day came, and I went over. Went to the back door and opened it up and called for Brady. Now, I want you all to know, I am not a novice dog walker. I grew up with dogs. I had a dog at the time. I've taken care of dogs many, many times. But honestly, it might be a little generous to call this a dog walk. I was more of like an escort holding Brady 22 and a half feet from the back door to the backyard pen. I include that last half foot in my description because it's in that last half foot where everything went wrong. I grab his leash, 
I walk him over. I open the gate with my right hand. And I go to gently prod Brady in with my left. Brady followed the momentum of my arm towards the pen. And as my arm crossed in front of me, I let go of his collar. With just six inches to go, the physics of the situation changed entirely. Brady jolted left, then right, then made a break for the driveway. He evaded my flailing arms and sprinted down the street. I yelled at the top of my lungs, Brady, come back! He didn't come back. He didn't even hesitate. <laughs> the routines of our lives can cause us to become apathetic, careless, lazy. We often don't even realize our apathy until something goes wrong. You can miss important things in your life if you're not paying attention. For instance, I wonder if Moses always stopped to look at desert foliage. What drew his eyes over to this burning bush that was not consumed? Was he always drawn to unlikely agricultural phenomenon? In any event, this burning bush that isn't consumed catches Moses' attention. And it's often moments like this that wake us up to our lives. It's times like this that help us see the God who is often hidden. Have you ever had a, a moment like that? Maybe you were on a hike and the way the breeze blew through the treetops was sacred and made you feel something you'd never felt before. Maybe it was at that Taylor Swift concert. And you were like, oh, no one has described the way I feel like she does. <laughs> or maybe you're fly fishing. And the way that fish jumps out of the water touches your heart in a special way. Maybe it's driving your car with the windows down, Tom Petty on the radio with the wind in your face, and it makes you feel like you were alive like never before. Or maybe it's like when your in-law's dog runs away. Let me tell you, Brady running down that driveway and then onto the street quickly got my attention. It woke me up. I took off after him, but he quickly doubled the distance between us. I saw him dart into a neighbor's backyard down the street, and my worst fears flashed through my mind. As I called down curses upon myself, I envisioned a car hitting Brady at that busy intersection at the end of the street. I imagined a gun-toting neighbor taking aim at me as I jumped over their back fence. Was Brady gonna just keep running, never to be found again? Because it definitely did not look like he was coming back. And whatever was gonna happen, one thing was clear. I was in trouble. I could just imagine calling my future mother-in-law. Stacy, uh-huh, yeah, I've killed the family dog. I'll never talk to Courtney again. Failing to, to pay attention can cause us to miss out on the most important things in our lives. How many of us would have noticed that burning bush? 
These days we are so busy. It's like we're afflicted with spiritual ADD. We jump from one thing to the next. We get up, take a shower, put on clothes, brush our teeth, go to work, grab lunch, check the news, check Facebook, check your emails, go home, watch TV, have dinner, go to bed. The details may change, but the story stays the same. We go from activity and event to event and activity, and we often don't pay attention to what matters most in our lives. We sleepwalk through life. We're not alert to God, to one another, even to ourselves. That is until something goes wrong. When someone gets cancer, when a friend betrays us, when we lose our job, when we fail to, to reach a goal, when our regular routine is ruptured, we begin to pay attention, like when we lose the family dog. After about 15 minutes of running through bushes, jumping over fences, I got a visual on Brady in a backyard. Brady was just kind of grazing there. And lying in between us, I saw a tennis ball. It's his favorite toy. And we both saw it, and then we looked at each other. He winked at me. <laughs> and I could see what was going through his mind. Should I play fetch, or should I keep on running for freedom? So I faked kind of a casual saunter over to the ball. I picked it up. I gently rolled it in front of me. At the precise moment that he entered tackling range, I dove with all the aggression of an SEC linebacker on a goal line stint. I tackled him and took him down. And I held on to Brady as I've never held on to anything in my life. As I walked with Brady back to the house, I must tell you that that dog walk in some ways changed my life. I began to pay attention. I paid attention to every car on the side of the street, those kids playing in the front yard. Every time Brady would tense up and try to think he could run for freedom again, I held on. That attentiveness led me to being more attentive on my own dog walks, more attentiveness to my own life. And now I've never been a shepherd and I've never been asked to watch over my father-in-law's flocks like Moses. But I used to have a dog when she was alive named Raven. She was an English Mastiff. Think Turner and Hooch, Sandlot, lots of slobber. And on one of these dog walks that we took a few years ago, the hidden God showed up. It was a transcendent moment for me, a take your shoes off kind of moment. The moment I felt like I had to capture it, so I went home and wrote a short essay about it that eventually led me to starting a blog on these kinds of things called The Spirituality of Dog Walking, back when people still read blogs. It was published in a few places. And I want to read it to you because I think it helpfully captures that moment that I couldn't capture any other way. Every morning, for almost 10 years, I've taken my dog out for the ritual of a daily walk. It runs like clockwork. We walk out the back door, down the driveway, take a left onto the sidewalk, and go around the block. 
Along the way, we stop and start according to Raven's whimsical interest in the plants, dirt, and fire hydrants that parallel our path. I usually try to hurry her along, even dragging her if necessary. The paths, cities, states, streets are different, but the motions are the same. Clip the collar, pat the head, pull the leash taut, and walk outside. Some rituals you just try and get over with. Yesterday, just after 7.30 a.m., we passed by a house that I've walked by a thousand times before. This time was different. As I stood in what A River Runs Through It author Norman McLean calls the half-light, the time just before the sun peaks over the horizon, an azalea bush caught my eye. I stopped Raven to stand and look. The bush drew me in as the gentle light of the sun reflected off its flushed pink petals. The azalea's luminous vibrancy made me feel like I was looking at a pink highlighter in one of those acidy fantasia illustrations. I couldn't help it. I stood transfixed, staring at it for several minutes. I nudged Raven to take a look too, as I felt the need to share the beauty with someone. She could not be bothered. And she circled the garbage can that sat next to the street. I once read an interview with Ben Gibbard, the lead singer of Death Cab for Cutie, where he talked with regret about quitting smoking. He said he really didn't miss the cigarettes. What he missed were the routine breaks in his day when he had the excuse to go outside and simply be still. While he puffed away, there was nothing else to do other than stand and watch and think. Dog walking is my smoke break. If I'm not careful, my ritual dog walks can turn me into a spiritless creature. If I hurry, keep my eyes to the ground, or don't pay attention, I risk missing out on the beauty that surrounds me at every step. When I do this, nothing separates me from my dog who would just as soon smell the trash as an azalea. I circle the block walking along as I'm thoughtlessly drawn from one distraction to the next. As Pascal observed, a man without thought is either a stone or a beast. Think about it. The ritual of walking my dog presents an opportunity to experience the beauty and wonder of existence, the magic of being alive. Raven and I have seen snowy branches and frozen creeks, cars fuzzy with pollen, trash littered front lawns, and yes, many a cigarette butt. But seeing these things takes attention and focus. When I am able to stop and notice the scenery that surrounds me, I rise above the level of beasts and participate at the intersection of matter and spirit where I experience the beauty of azalea bushes and the half-light of dawn. My pastoral advice for spiritual growth is this. Get a dog. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, Lord, may you open our eyes, help us to pay attention to your presence all around us, that we might wake up and experience you and have that experience transform our lives as we are transformed by your light and your love. In your name we pray. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. 
Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.